0: Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Vegeta to my Goku. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing?
1: I don't remember us being enemies, but otherwise it seems pretty No, we're, we're
0: like frenemies, you know? Like, uh, we, we drive each other to great heights, much like Vegeta and Goku, as the series goes on, you know? At the beginning, of course, mortal enemies. I don't think we started out that way, but no. we're not joined today by our Yamcha. That's right. <laughs> Eric... Eric Ronenbeck is not here. Sorry, people who are big fans of Eric's. um, Our Yamcha has has gone missing, and uh, (laughs) yep, he will take his uh, his imminent doom with him. Uh, Eric will be back next week. He's at a business. Biz company party company party right, right kevin agribusiness uh, yeah. i don't know what he is, something like that uh, all right he's installing lighting
1: in his company or something i'm not no, sure no no he's he's not
0: working it's like a it's like a work event i
1: don't know maybe it's one of those things like uh in coming to america he showed up and they put the jacket on him and had him hand out hors d'oeuvres
0: oh yeah yeah all right yeah that could be it <laughs> okay so anyway let's um let's talk some uh, nfl let's let's start off like as we always do talk about nfl news let's talk about a contract that uh that Everyone knew I would be interested in. That's the Blake Bortles contract. Your Blake, favorite player. Blake Bortles. Uh, player I have maligned much uh, many times. Okay, so last year the Jaguars decided they were going to pick up the uh, the fifth-year option for Blake Bortles. So people who don't know a lot about NFL contracts, let me explain what that means. If you pick up the fifth-year option on an NFL player, that means that you can bring him back for one extra year at the average of the top ten salaries at the position in the NFL. The only caveat is if that player can't pass a physical or is injured, then that contract becomes fully guaranteed. So that you can't just cut him. Okay, so it's low risk for the team usually because usually the guy's healthy and if he sucks, you can just be like, eh, see you later. But that decision that they made to pick up that fifth year on option on Bortles has now led to a bunch of other effects because Bortles wrist was messed up. So, Bortles couldn't pass a physical. So, now they're going to give Bortles 19 million next year. Well, if we're going to give them 19 million next year, we might as well sign them in for a mid range budget contract for the next three years. Because we can't get Kirk Cousins. We can't get any of the good quarterbacks. All these things have now happened to the Jaguars. And now here we are. They're stuck with Bortles for three years. They have like an almost perfectly constructed roster other than this.
1: Uh, that's one of those things. And I want to add to that real quick the fifth year option, something that you only get with first round picks. So that's one reason why sometimes you'll see people like uh, snag a guy at the very, like trade back into the first to snag a guy at the very end because they want to have the flexibility of the fifth year option, like for a quarterback or another like high value position, yeah, which is kind of one of those interesting tactics pieces.
0: Yes. So let's talk pros and cons here. Pros. All the Bortles jokes on the good place stay relevant. Um, that's a big pro for me. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, con. Jacksonville is never going to be able to make it to the Super Bowl with their quarterback being Blake Bortles. Uh, I just don't think there's any way they can get over the hump with an obvious deficiency at the most important position on the field. Would you agree with that, Kevin? Well, they made it really close this last year. Um, Could they
1: make it? Yes, but it will always be in spite of instead of because. Uh, Uh, The one thing I will say, though, is uh, it does drop. His charge against the cap to ten million for next year instead of nineteen, which gives them some flexibility to bring back Allen Robinson, right. which I think they needed to do. A lot of
0: te- a lot of people are saying that they the re- so they they're stuck with him. So they they gave him a contract where next year is cheap, and then, then that the following two years are more expensive because they need to bring back Allen Robinson, and they're which, probably going to replace him. Anyway. Who cares about if Allen? I just don't. Why do you even need Allen Robinson? Your quarterback's Blake Bortles, um, but whatever. It's, it's um it's what they're going to do. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I it's 19 million is not that bad. To be honest with you, let's be let's be real. It's like the 20th highest average salary for a quarterback in the NFL. And if I had to rank out all the quarterbacks, Blake Bortles isn't that much worse than 20th. So yeah, I guess it's fine. Whatever. I'm I'm over it. It's, it's also
1: one of those things. It's really a two year deal. That third year he could be cut and it wouldn't really cost him. Much. Yeah, they basically
0: have a team out. I, it's just disappointing to me because I really thought Jacksonville was going to get Kirk Cousins and I was like really excited to see how high how high that team could go. You know. And now it's it's whatever we, it is what it is what it is. Yeah, you know, I still don't think it would be shocking though to see them pick up
1: uh, a player either this or next draft or something that they could develop or something along those lines. Like they could get their next quarterback, planning on having basically Bortles as a two year bridge guy.
0: All right, so that's that's that. Uh, the second story is one that affects us in the NFC West because the Chiefs traded cornerback Marcus Peters to the Rams. For a 2018 fourth-round pick and a 2019 second-round pick. Um, so I'm going to say some winners and losers here, Kevin. Winner. Winners.
1: Uh, AFC West wide receivers?
0: Yeah. And the other winners are the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. Uh, losers here. The Chiefs. Chiefs lose out pretty, pretty good here. They don't even get a really good draft pick this year. They have to wait a whole year for the good draft pick, which is
1: rough. Okay. So in my brain, what I've done is I take the Alex Smith trade. And I take the Peters trade, and I basically think of them as like one big trade. So they got back a solid corner to plug into their system. They got back uh, a first round pick this year.
0: Yeah. They got back the Alex Smith trade is really good for them. Right, and so
1: I think if you put those kind of on the on the level then overall they kind of came out with decent pieces for Alex Smith plus Marcus Peters. But I agree. If you look at the Peters trade in isolation, it says something about the going rate because we're talking about an elite cover corner who does have some personality question marks that often comes with elite cover corners.
0: Yeah. Another another way this relates to Seahawks is this is, this is kind of now we see the market value for, like, Richard Sherman. And maybe this is why Richard Sherman didn't even get close to getting traded, right? Because yeah. if Marcus Peters is going for a second and a fourth, no one was offering us a first-round pick for, for Richard Sherman.
1: No, then Sherman was probably going for like a third and a fifth. Yeah,
0: because he's, he's older and, and... And coming off an injury. And more expensive. Marcus Peters is still really cheap. Yeah, he's
1: uh, like $1.8 million
0: or something like that,
1: something ridiculously low.
0: Um, and uh, my other NFL story, I know you had another one, Kevin, but my other, my other NFL story, Peanut Tillman is an FBI agent. Uh, is there a greater thing that you can think of in, in the NFL than that? That's just the greatest to me.
1: Some people watch The Rock and Kevin Hart and laugh. Peanut Tillman watched him and was inspired.
0: Yeah, seriously, but I'm just imagining him like chasing <laughs> after a guy with a brick of cocaine, like the guy with the brick of cocaine's running, and he just punches that brick of cocaine right out of his <laughs> hands, dude. It's just like it's like old times because he had the best punch in NFL history. But he he forced more fumbles than any cornerback in NFL history. He's so great, and also you know, Agent Peanut, you know that he's gonna capture some criminals, dude. It's like you you he's oh it's just so good. It's so good. I. Yeah, he, the like, guy carrying a bomb, the, he's running with the bomb, Peanut just punches it out into the water, the bomb blows up, he saves the day. <laughs> I, I want to watch this Saturday morning
1: cartoon that you are making right now. <laughs> this seems like the best Inspector Gadget spinoff ever.
0: I mean, it's he's like the coolest NFL athlete right now, right? He's got to be.
1: He was already a pretty cool guy. Like, I think, you know... I think everyone liked Peanut Tillman. There's a lot to like about you know kind of feisty, undersized guy who did some really cool stuff.
0: Yeah, he was like a great NFL player. He retires for a couple years, spends time with family, gets bored, and then is like, you know what? I'll just be an FBI agent. Oh, all right, sweet. Like it's I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. I would I would honestly I would like to have Peanut Tillman on the uh, Seahawks right now. Just I would take him right now. He's. Still got to be—he's got to be in good shape. He's an FBI agent. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> I was about to say, I, bet, I bet passing the physical exams was not hard for Peanut. Um,
0: oh, another weird story, Kevin, that I saw. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey played uh, the whole season with a torn rotator cuff. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, it's for a guy that's like notoriously hurt, he just like played through an injury the whole season. It's kind of, kind of, kind of awesome. A it also friend. says
1: something about Chicago, where he apparently didn't feel the need to play through injury because they were never in the playoff hunt.
0: Right. He was like, "Hey, this team's good. I'm just going to keep playing." <laughs> so.
1: Um, the last thing is there's some numbers, some preliminary numbers coming in around the NFL, uh, around the salary cap. Okay, looks like it's going to be. They're they're saying it's going to be somewhere between like seventy eight and uh, one hundred and seventy eight and one hundred and eighty million, which is a sizable increase to the cap. That's going to change. I think a lot of the conversation that we've been having around the value of free agents, but also around what the Seahawks are capable of doing.
0: Yeah. So the expected the expected cap before. Was like just a shade that I've been working with was a shade over 180. So I'm I'm a I'm basically working with similar numbers that I've been working with the whole time. Uh, but it's good to see that there was actually that because it does give us you know 14 million in cap space right off the bat. To work with as opposed to if it came in at the low end, if it comes in at 177 or 178, then that's only 11 million, right? Yeah. So that 3 million can make a big difference. That's the difference between, you know, uh, that's like, a, that's higher Rubin cutting last yes. year, right? Or something like that. A move like that doesn't have to happen if we, uh, if we can, if the cap comes in on the high end.
1: Uh, 3 million would be what? We paid $3 million last year to sign every linebacker we picked up for last year. To give you just an idea, like $3 million is um, a slot corner and a backup linebacker. $3 million is, uh, is about what we play, paid Eddie Lacy. That's really depressing. But seriously, $3 million will pick you up a a couple of solid role players, which is... Difference making, especially for a team like Seattle that's trying to round out a full roster.
0: Yeah, we can we could take a flyer on one of these mid-level running backs now where maybe we wouldn't have had a chance to do so before. You know, before maybe we're thinking like, yeah, we can't really take a chance on Shane Vereen or Hash uh, Isaiah Crowell. Tag Crow Or... Alfred Morris, you know we can't get any of those guys. Now we can get one of those guys and have actual depth at that position. We can drop some pizza lunchables on yeah, the field. We can we can get those guys. Uh, I would love to Isaiah Crowell. I just think that someone's going to overpay him. I want that Crow. I know, but until it happens, like my heart. His agent is Drew Rosenhaus, dude. I'm like, <laughs> just, I I'm just I don't care. <laughs> I think that remember Drew Rosenhaus only cares about money. I
1: hope he fires Drew Rosenhaus and hires Richard Sherman as his agent,
0: and then we get some Crow. I hope we get Kenyon Barner. i
1: love to eat that crow.
0: Kenyon Barner. That's my guy. Right there, Kevin.
1: Ken John Barner? Yeah,
0: Bishop Sankey.
1: <laughs> Dude. Bishop Sankey's a free agent, bro. That that's true, and there's a reason. Okay.
0: All right. So I <laughs> I I had to I had to derail Kevin with his with his Bishops Bishop Sankey reference. That's college running backs, yep. He, I thought he might be a good NFL player. I don't want to totally go on an aside, but I thought he had a chance to be decent.
1: I thought and, he could be a solid role player, and, and he just ended
0: up being a step bad at everything. Yeah, he was. Like just not, he's just below what you need. Yeah, he's just not good enough. It's too bad. All right, uh, let's talk Seahawks. This now, there's not much Seahawks news right now because the league year doesn't start for like two more weeks. So it's kind of this is kind of the the deadest time in the NFL season. Uh, so. There's uh, also not even like combine numbers
1: coming out So no. we can't be like oh Pete Carroll The team interviewed so these team These players
0: or whatever There's just not much So there's Rappaport stuff that says the Seahawks are likely to keep uh, Earl Thomas They want to keep Sherman And Sheldon Richardson is uh, their number one target In the offseason okay. Seems good That's all things that seem fine uh, So yeah Those are, those are fine uh, Sherman Let's talk about Sherman for just a sec Sherman, uh, a lot of talk this week about his injury. How's he going to recover? Is he going to come back? Would the team ever cut him? I don't think there's any way the team's going to just cut him. Uh, it does save 11 million against the cap, which is a lot of money. But you kinda, know, uh, Nate, if, I feel like a lot of people are not looking at the injury for what it is. Do you want to just take a quick second to talk about the injury itself? Sure. Uh, Achilles injuries are super tough. Let me um, let me talk about Achilles injury. Achilles injuries uh, in players. Uh, So there's a couple good articles I've read about this recently. One that was mostly about NBA players and one that was from a medical journal. Uh, The NBA players one just basically did a a study before the Achilles and after the Achilles injury and just said like where each player was. Uh, Generally, most players were worse or much worse. Basically, Dominique Wilkins was like the the gold standard for like he came back from an Achilles and did good. Um, And then then the medical journal article, which is from a medical journal that was called like like lower body injuries or something. It's like a really, very weird, specific. really specific medical journal. But the basic thesis of the article is just the success rate of NFL players. One-third of players who had Achilles injuries like Sherman's never played another snap in the NFL. Um, I'm going to guess most of those guys aren't on the level of Richard Sherman, so he's going to get another shot to play, of course. Uh, so then the other two-thirds of those guys, like 80% of them were na- not close to as good as they were before. So that means we're looking at you know a very low success rate. Like Basically, the gold standard for a guy coming back from a big Achilles injury is Jimmy Graham. Yeah. Jimmy Graham's been very good coming back from an Achilles injury. And that's our best case scenario, is that he comes back like Jimmy did and has a very good season uh, coming off an Achilles. Our worst case scenario is like Kobe Bryant. What happened to Kobe Bryant? Kobe came back from the Achilles injury and was just never the same. He shot 34% in the three seasons he played after the Achilles injury. Those Achilles injuries are rough. They take away your explosiveness. So... And a lot of people say, like, oh, well, Sherman wasn't fully reliant on his athleticism. He's a very smart player. I don't disagree with that. But you remember those interception-laden years where he had a ton of interceptions? The way he got those interceptions, he lulled the offense into a false sense of security. Oh, this guy looks like he's open. And then blew them away with a burst of athleticism. Yeah, that's
1: the big thing. Uh, Richard Sherman's short area quickness was really good. It was his... Like distance, speed that was lower. His forty time was not as good as his three cone shuttle. To talk in draft terms,
0: yeah. Look, maybe, maybe, maybe this leads to Sherman becoming a free safety or Sherman playing box safety like Cam Chancellor or something like that. Right? Like he has to change positions a little bit because Sherman's a damn good tackler for a cornerback. So I wouldn't be surprised if he could be a safety. Um, but he the, could end up with a Brandon Browner-type step yeah, after this. And that's that's the thing. He, he might have to change roles. He might just be a different player. Expecting the same Sherman to come back after an injury like that, I think, is is, uh, is kind of foolish. Uh, that it being also said, means that the recovery timetable might be long. This is the last year in his contract, right? So no matter how he performs, it's we're not on the hook for like six more years or something. This is it. This is the end of the line. So if... If he comes back strong and he earns a big contract, give him a big contract. If he comes back medium and we can keep him around for $6 million a year for four more years, then do that too. I love Richard Sherman. He's like one of my favorite Seahawks. So I'd be excited to see him in any role. What I don't want to see is us rush him back, him get hurt again, him spending time on and off the IR for the rest of his career and retiring in two years. That's that's what the path I don't want to see for Richard. So yeah. um, I'm hoping that he you know gets himself right, gets back as healthy as possible, and has another really good season. I'm not. A lot of people think like when you try to project a player and you say like, oh, it's going to be really hard to come back from energy, you're being negative. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be realistic. It's, this is a tough road he's going to have he it's, might start the year on the pup list and that might be the best thing for him. Yeah, like you got to wait and see. He's he has a difficult road back and there's nothing wrong with that. Like he's he's up to the task, I'm sure. Yeah, he's a driven, committed player. He cares a lot about his body, but you can also tell he's a guy who has plans after football. Yeah, he's not going to kill himself to get back on the field. I think that a lot of people are may, maybe would be disappointed in that, but that's smart. That's a smart that's a smart move. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. That's all. That's my Richard Sherman stuff. Uh, what was your other Seahawks news? Uh,
1: the other piece of Seahawks news: something just to keep an eye on. Uh, Malik McDowell is posting on his Instagram that he is working out, and you can see that in his story. So, uh, just <gasps> kind of good news that uh, McDowell's getting some workout done. Uh, he still hasn't been medically cleared. That's a big thing to keep an eye on. This is a guy who sustained a big injury in doing something stupid as a twenty-year-old. And the hope is that it didn't end of his career, but you gotta wait and see.
0: Yeah, I would. I would love to see McDowell getting, getting right, getting back. You know, that's that's the that's the number one thing. If he wants to play football, and I want him, I want that for him, uh, but I don't want him to do it at the expense of his health, right? Yeah, that's so, always the thing. So, uh, yeah, good for him. And uh, to be honest, there's like rumors that if he doesn't come back th- this year, that we get to shut down his salary. Like we don't, we're not. He's not gonna count against our cap. So I wouldn't worry about it too much. Like it's not gonna. Him getting hurt is not going to impact the team negatively, so don't throw any negativity his way. Like it's just, just you know, hope yeah, for good the best. Hope oh, good vibes for Malik. That's that's what that's my tip. All right, so, so uh, is it time to move to Seahawks. I guess so. I guess we're going to talk about our the Seahawks linebackers, right? That's it. Okay, so um, let's talk about the Seahawks linebackers that are currently on the roster. The Seahawks are currently. Oh man, that's the wrong depth chart. Why did I do that, Kevin? Uh, <laughs> the, the Seahawks are currently rostering four linebackers. Uh, five. Sorry, uh, Bobby Wagner, who I would say is perhaps the best defensive player in the NFL that is not playing on the defensive line. Come at me, people of the internet. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Seahawks fans would agree. Yeah, uh, he's very he's very talented. Uh, he's very good. Um, he's much better than Luke Keekley. That's that's he doesn't get the the thing on Seahawks guys is none of them get as much individual credit as I think they deserve because the whole is so good. And And the thing about
1: Wagner is that he does everything. And he does it in such a low-key way. It's, you know, like we talk about the outfielder in baseball who gets the bad jump. And so he makes these really impressive-looking catches. But if you really watch the whole play, it's because he misjudged the ball. That's not Bobby Wagner.
0: Bobby Wagner's just smooth all day. Yeah. So um, if you look at uh, some of the uh, stats database that we have access to, um, among middle linebackers... He is like first in in basically every every stat. So And people want to look at like, oh he has one
1: and a half sacks, that's not a ton. You know, he had two interceptions, which is good for a middle linebacker. The guy had six passes defensed and thirteen run stuffs. He had a number of tackles for a loss. So even if he wasn't getting the stats that show up like in your newspaper, the stats that show up on ESPN as much. The If you watch
0: him The guy just makes plays All game, every game Yeah, he was fifth in the league In run stop percentage He got a run stop On 10% of all run snaps He, in terms of Pass rush productivity Among middle linebackers He was first In, ta- uh, in coverage He was like eighth So, I mean, he does it all, right? There's not like an area Where we can say Oh, that's the area Bobby Wagner is not so good in That's that's There, there is none of that There's no areas yeah. um, Stepping up his game Considerably to join Bobby In the top tier Was KJ Wright uh, and every everything I said about KJ Wright's contract, he spit that back in my face a thousand times. Um, I'm very proud of KJ. He continues to get better somehow even though he's not getting he's not yeah you're not a young man or anything but he just continually gets better every year every year it seems like he's better at coverage he's better at pass rushing he's better he's a good all-around linebacker and what he does is he allows the seahawks of flexibility to play a lot of times with just two linebackers because bobby and kj can do everything so you don't need three linebackers on the field or any specialists on the field or anything like that
1: yeah the two of them offer a lot of flexibility uh we basically ran um nickel most of the year, which is becoming more often more often the case in the NFL. And what you have in Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright are two tackle machines. These are two guys that can float over the field. They can read what's happening and react, and they can operate downhill against the run game. So you see them slice through and make plays at the line of scrimmage in the backfield on the ball carrier. So you can have two linebackers
0: and still have run stopping like you'd have with three. All right, Kevin. Uh, our other linebackers on the roster are all. Ki- oh, there's DJ Alexander, who's our special teams specialist. Yep, he's good at being our special teams player. Not uh, so much at being a linebacker. Yeah, he he just never he's never really put it together as an actual linebacker. The athleticism's there. It just doesn't seem like he totally understands what to do. Um, you'd you'd hope that he could develop that someday because of the f- immense physical talents that he possesses. But he just doesn't seem to have the field awareness. Yeah, he just doesn't. He, the thing is, he played in like a, two different distinct systems in college, and I think that has, he. That made his develop that stunted his development as a just a regular football player, uh, and so he's always been playing catch up since then, and so yeah, maybe the, the, two years in this system w- will give him time to start to hit the field in more of a normal capacity. But well, and, le- and
1: with a linebackers coach as a defensive coordinator, with an established defense, with KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner kind of br- bringing him along, this is an ideal situation. If he's going to develop, we'll see it.
0: Hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of having him on the roster because he brings something to the table and there's potential there to, de- to continue developing. Other two linebackers are two guys that we had on the practice squad slash uh, injured reserve, Josh Forrest and Paul Dawson. I don't have a strong opinion on either of these guys, Kevin. Do you? Nope. Okay. They uh, seem like back into the roster
1: guys who are just as likely to be here as not.
0: Yeah, they both are They both are picked up off waivers. From Paul Dawson was from Cincinnati. Josh Forrest was from the Rams. Uh. Josh Forrest was a fringe draftable player. Um, I think two years ago in the draft, yeah, he went to
1: Kentucky. he went to Kentucky. He went to Kentucky. He was a uh, kind of one of those team leader guys. He seems like he could end up being a middle linebacker, like a backup middle linebacker and special teams guy. But again, he's just kind of fringe NFL, as just as far as athleticism and everything.
0: All right, and then uh, that's that's what who's currently on the roster, uh, Kevin. What what do you want to start with, free agents, or you want to start off with uh, with the uh, the old the old rooks? The uh, let's run
1: through free agency to see if we think we can
0: address our issues there, and then uh, look at the draft afterwards. Okay, well let's talk about what we feel like the Seahawks need to do at linebacker. So, the thing about the linebacker for the Seahawks is since we have two guys that are so versatile, I want us to bring in a guy that brings something very specific to the table. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would uh, like to, A very a canny role player. I would like to either bring in someone who is a very strong uh, pa- pass stopper. That's a dumb thing to say. A coverage. So a guy, a guy coverage, who's very strong in coverage. A coverage
1: linebacker, um, almost like a box safety linebacker.
0: Yeah. Or I want to bring in someone like a Bruce Irvin type that can play on the defensive line that really gets after the passer, even if maybe they're not quite such a good uh, outside linebacker when we're in a 4-3. So... Um, I only wrote down one free agent name, and I don't think you're going (laughs) to like it. Uh, I think it's on my list. Okay, here we go. It's Barkevius Mingo. Is that guy on your list? Barkevius Mingo is one of my linebackers. Okay, so Barkevius Mingo I like because he does one thing really good. He's a good pass rusher. He's pretty good. He hasn't shown it in the NFL yet, but I think with the right tutelage, he could definitely become uh, what we had Bruce Irvin doing, at least. So uh, Barkevius Mingo is a guy... With a really cool name that uh, that I think could True. could be uh, he's gonna be cheap he's gonna be like two million dollars that's another thing too is whoever we get they can't be expensive like we ain't bringing in Nigel Bradham sorry like it'd be cool but it's not happening uh, we paid Will Hoyt about a million and a half last year I don't think we're gonna go much over that yeah we're not getting Paul Puzlesni or Pernell McPhee like these guys are not these guys are not showing up in a Seahawks uniform next year it'd be cool but we just don't run four three base defense
1: often enough to make that make
0: sense okay I actually got one other guy Kevin. Uh, No, I don't. I'm not going to say that. That's just too silly. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, so I like Barcavia's Mingo. A couple other guys, I think, that are in a similar vein.
1: uh, Sam Acho, uh, who played for Chicago, is another guy coming on a cheap deal. He has a little bit of pass rush potential. And uh, Devin Kennard, who played with the Giants last year, is another guy coming off of his rookie contract, who didn't really show up as a big-time player. But he's a guy that can back up at all three positions and offer some flexibility there. The last guy's kind of an odd one, and I'm wondering what you'll think about it, but Trent Murphy put together a really nice season with nine sacks for Washington in 2016, but then sustained an injury and was out all last year. So he's kind of been forgotten. He's a guy who showed... um, some ability to play. He's 6'6", 259. So he's like, he's a bigger linebacker on the outside and he's um, a known tackler and he seems like he can rush the passer. I mean, nine sacks is no joke.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Could work. Connor Barwin's a free agent, Kevin.
1: Yes, he is. He'll well, I, probably make too much and also I just he don't know what paid, his fit is. Connor Barwin only got
0: paid like $3 million last year. Like, yeah, they'll could, make like another three and a half mil. Yeah, it's like, he could be fine if we decided to go that route for some reason. Like, He's five sacks in the bag. What about what if we try to help Junior Gallette uh, re- resurrect his career? Junior Gillette's going to make a lot more money. Jun- no, he's not. Yes, he is. Junior Gallette got paid like nine hundred thousand dollars last year. Kevin and only had three sacks. Yep. Like he's not. No one's paying Junior Gillette. So. I disagree. You- Why would they pay <laughs> Junior Gallette? That's like that's like saying someone's going to pay Lamar Houston. Like no one's going to pay Lamar Houston. It, those the NFL is like a harsh mistress, man. They won't pay you because you had ten sacks in twenty fourteen. They're just like, no, man. That was four <laughs> years ago. You're done. You're done. All right, Maybe uh, I should pack up my Trent Murphy stats then. <laughs> Trent, is Trent Murphy like on the same that same tip? Is he like he only made Trent Murphy? How, he only got paid 1.1 million. Yeah, $1. he got last paid 1.1. Yeah, he's gonna make very little. Yeah, uh, which again, coming off of injuries, these so names are saying things. though. Trent Murphy Jr., Golette, Lamar Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if one of these like reclamation project type players ends up in our lap at the end of free agency and we're like okay sure 1.1 $1. $1 million dollars come in and try to get six sacks yeah i
1: would be surprised if we spent about a million dollars on a guy who seems like he would fit the bill and then okay so we're gonna switch a draft in a second right yeah so i want to talk about what i want to see i feel like last year we took an approach with defensive back where we're like okay we needed an influx we need an influx of new talent We need some quality players. We need to do something. We drafted a lot
0: of cornerbacks and safeties. We drafted
1: a bunch of corners and safeties all throughout the draft. Um, Some day two guys, some day three guys. And you could tell some guys were drafted to play it right away. Some guys were developmental. And the thought was corners and safeties play well on special teams. In my opinion, so do linebackers. And if you look, linebackers play all over on special teams, especially in this day and age when you have a lot of these rangy college linebackers that are coming in that are more safety-sized. Some have even played defensive back. I think what I want to see is, I want to see us throw maybe three draft picks at linebacker. Get some guys with versatile skills. Maybe a guy that's more of the um, defensive end linebacker hybrid, the Bruce Irvin type that you were talking about. You know, pick up a guy that's, More of a coverage linebacker, almost like a box safety linebacker kind of guy. And and then pick up a guy that's maybe can back up all three positions, uh, versatile, like true linebacker type. But I'd like to see us throw a few different assets at the position in order to really address it in like a solid way. Because I feel like we have the room on our roster for some bodies there. I feel like we could end up having two or
0: three stick on our roster. All right, let's go. Let's go through some uh, some some prospects. There's a lot of guys in that outside linebacker slash defensive end uh, category that people are saying could be in the range where we actually pick them. I don't think we'll spend a first round pick on an outside linebacker. I would be really surprised. I would for one guy that might be there, unless it's a guy who can really play defensive end. Kevin, who's that? Who's that guy for you? Harold Landry out of Boston College. All right, that's
1: the one guy that I would spend that 19th pick on or 18th pick on. Um, he had only had five sacks because he was constantly against double teams last year. He's a guy who played with his hand on the ground, very very similar to Bruce Irvin. Um, really strong productivity. He had a really amazing junior year, and then his senior year it was one of those things like he was the guy on the defense,
0: and everybody was keying after him. And yeah, he got keyed on, and he got hurt. So like he and he had a really bad game against the like the pro the pro level offensive line in Notre in Notre Dame. Yeah, like he got washed out. He was so bad in that game. Um, so there's like a, there's like a video clip. I saw of him just getting ragdolled by Quentin Nelson, which to be honest, like that happens to a lot of people. Quentin Nelson's yes. really effing good, but it, it still is. It's concerning because there's lots of there's Quentin Nelson is, is really good, but he, there's lots of guys like him in the NFL level. Landry would be Landry's an interesting prospect though, for sure. Like as a, I wish we had a second round pick because I really think he's going to be there in the second round. I don't think Landry's there in the second round. I like think he the, might not be there in 19. Really? You're really high on him. Uh, I think that
1: he's going to go... There's not a lot of edge rushers, and this guy's got a lot of twitch. Um, That's not a thing in this draft very heavily. Uh, like, for instance, uh, Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds, they're both going to be off the board by the oh, yeah. time Roquan 19 Smith comes around. Long uh, they might both be top 10 picks. Uh, Harold Landry's kind of the next guy if you're doing like a 4-3 outside linebacker yeah. that's a pass
0: rusher. I just see him like towards the top of the second round as opposed to the uh, middle of the first round. But it's so early that and it's, it's all conjecture anyway. It's really, I could very easily be it's, wrong. It's really hard to project these guys at this point without combine numbers. Yep, I, know I hate to say combine numbers matter because... We've all seen guys who have terrible combines go on to be NFL Hall of Famers, Tom Brady, so who ran like the slowest combine forty in history, right? And he's the best. Uh, he has one of the worst vertical jumps recorded in yeah. combine history, and he's the best quarterback. So, it, I mean, it, it's just it's hard to do, right? Like it's hard. This is all it's all conjecture, yeah. but yeah, what the combines for is it's for.
1: If somebody's like you know jumps out of the building or something, then you go back to the tape and you go, okay, where's that explosiveness on the field? Correct. Um, so it's more to like confirm things or get you to go back and look at things. Which if Harold Landry comes in and he has an explosive vert
0: and he has a great three cone and he shows that, three that cone, he can move in coverage, that three cone drill is so important for uh, thing. But uh, yeah, Pro Football Focus ranked him their number one edge defender. So yeah, I mean, I could, I guess they put him above Chubb. So. I guess um, I guess you got some supporters, Kevin, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> there are people that agree with you and not me. So, yeah. I just, that, that Notre Dame game, I think it bothered me too much. Maybe I'm just overreacting to one game. I mean, it was a bad game. There's no denying that. So, um, uh, so let's talk about some guys. Like, I
1: think the other thing that I think we could both agree on is, I think everyone can agree on, it would not be unheard of for the Seahawks to trade back a bit and maybe end up at the low end of the first
0: or somewhere in the second to sure. pick up some more mid-round picks. All right, so let's look at these guys who are going to go on the somewhere between the second and the fourth round, right? So who are some guys you're looking at that might get picked in that, in that range that could be good? Well, who are you thinking? Uh, okay. Because I have a long list. Um, <laughs> long list. All right. Uh, Dorrance Armstrong Jr. I, it's the same thing for you that you said about your last guy, is that he got put in a situation a lot of times where he was the only guy on the defense that they cared about stopping because he's the only player on Kansas defense that's very good, um, but he just is a really good athlete, and I don't know. I found him to be somewhat exciting, and he's a raw athlete like Bruce Irvin style, where I think he's gonna go to the combine, blow everyone away, and then move up draft boards. Does that make sense? I think you're 100 percent correct. So that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at on on Dorrance Armstrong. He he right now, if you just look at the college stats, I don't even know if, how much how high I would rank him at all, to be honest. But the 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 athleticism is very exciting so. yeah he's got he's got projection for days
1: um, his production dropped a senior season his junior season was pretty solid he's gonna probably be a three four outside linebacker um, is what a lot of teams will want him as
0: uh, based on his size he didn't really have to play in space at all and he so that have, becomes a huge question he's a junior so like he doesn't have to. He doesn't. There's no senior bowl stats or anything. Like it just puts him. He's so behind everyone else in terms of like building his stock. And the fact that last year he just he didn't have a great season because he was double teamed all the time. He had nine and only nine and a half tackles. Tackles for the last two sacks. But that's in in his sophomore year he had ten sacks. So it's not yes. like he has never had a good season. The, the thing is, if he
1: falls, it would be really interesting to see him right. land like in our laps and like if we trade into it, the middle of the second. Or, or if he just ends
0: up in round three, you know, because yep. people are like hey, too raw, too raw. I mean, that's a guy that we could totally go for, in and we three. trade our
1: fourth round up to go get him. Yeah, because he offers a level of athleticism on the edge that there's not a lot of guys that have in this draft. All right, what do you think about Jerome Baker, Kevin? I really like Jerome Baker. Okay. Jerome Baker fits in that other mold of like. Um, Safety sized linebackers. He mostly played in the middle, but there's nothing to say he can't play on the outside. He's really rangy. He's a good tackler with really, really good change of direction. Um, he's one of the better linebackers in space.
0: Yeah, he's like really good at in coverage. I was very surprised by how good he was at just, like, covering different types of players. And when you play at Ohio State, you have to play against good competition, right? So it's not like he played against scrubs every week. He played a good team almost every week. Ohio State even plays the hard non-conference schedule, which, uh, which, which I always have a lot of respect for. So that's that's where I'm at. All right, you give me a guy that maybe I'm not thinking about yet, Kevin. Okay, so another guy in that like round two, three ish, two, three, four. Yeah, what are these? These middle rounds that I think the Seahawks are going to end up with two or three picks in this range. Okay, I think that first round pick it would be. I would be surprised if we kept it it's it would be very unseat it'd be a guy falling into our lap that we didn't expect to get like maybe Isaiah Wynn or like um oh man something like that right like a guy that we <laughs> thought would get picked Don't we, tease me like that. the guy that we thought would get picked before that you know that we're like oh well Isaiah Wynn's here okay i guess we'll pick Isaiah Wynn we're not going to trade back but if there's no one like that available and we're just picking between a bunch of guys that we're not super crazy about then I see us moving back. I think that's very likely. And that's the way that the Seahawks have always been. They identify like three or four guys they
1: want. And if those guys aren't there, they move back. Or if multiple of the guys, those guys are there, they slide back a little. Um, So I'm going to go towards the end of that. So a guy who I think is going to be around round four is, uh, Oren Burks out of Vanderbilt. He was a safety who converted to linebacker, mostly played inside linebacker. Um, he's kind of one of those tweener guys that didn't have like a strong rooting in one of the two positions, but he has some range and athleticism. He has really good lateral movement. Um, he's a plus special teams guy. Uh, he needs more strength. And the big thing is, this guy needs more snaps at linebacker so that he can learn how to kind of read and diagnose better from the linebacker position. But he's a guy who I think. Um, is going to test pretty well athletically right now he's more looking at like somewhere day three like sixth seventh round but i think once his athleticism shows he's probably going to test into like the fourth and i could see him really being worth that pick all right uh a guy more on the pass rusher side that we haven't talked about uh i gotta bring up a couple of guys i know you like too uh, Uchenna Nwosu out yeah, of USC 10 batted passes
0: last year dude That's so crazy <laughs> 10 batted passes is like That's a lot When you look at the stats and you're like Hey this Uchenna Nwosu went to USC And he batted down 10 passes That's a that's a ton of batted passes for one player
1: That's what I loved about Naz Jones Naz yeah. Jones had a ton of batted passes From a like 3-tech, 5-tech defensive tackle uh, Uchenna Nwosu has a lot of the same skills This guy has some uh, He doesn't have like great bend on the edge um, but he's like so, Von Miller. He's but so he's good at changing really, direction. Like, yes,
0: like he can like he can stop, and he's like those strong ankles you talk about, Where just changing direction on a dime, and like really moving through. The thing is, he's super raw. He's one season wonder, right? Like he, it's just basically all his stats are from last year. But God, this guy has a nose for a big play.
1: Yeah, like uh, go watch. This is a fun highlight tape to watch. (laughs) You want to see somebody like bat passes off of a guard and then pick them off while they bounce off his face mask? You want to watch
0: Uchenna Nwosu? Yeah, and he had a he had a pretty good coverage rating, even though. He's not known as a coverage guy. When he did get put into coverage, he was good. He can hold his own against um, like a linebacker, so, or against a tight end. So I, I, a lot of teams see him as like a three-four uh, outside linebacker. But I think that there's potential here for for him to be like exactly like Bruce Irvin, yes. a guy who plays defensive end. He plays the Leo position on third down. And on first and second down, if we need three linebackers, he can come out and cover a tight end. Because he's so athletic and so good at changing direction. And that's basically what he played
1: in college. So unlike Bruce Irvin, he actually has some experience with that versatility. Yeah. So um, on the opposite that's, end that's of the That's my spectrum, dude.
0: If we take him, I'm going to get real excited. I'm just going to throw that out there. That'd be a good one. <laughs> so uh,
1: Another guy, I think, and this I think Noel is going to be like a round four-ish guy. Another guy who could be round four. Um, we'll talk about Josie Jewell.
0: Josie Jewell. Josie Jewell tackles De'Erf. Yeah, he's like a lot of people see him as a a future, just like London Fletcher type guy who just sits in the middle and just gets a a lot of tackles. And there's a reason he had 136 tackles last year. Yeah, 69 solo tackles. Insanely, he
1: also batted
0: 11 passes. Like, he was awesome in coverage. He
1: had 13 and a half tackles for a loss, he had four and a half sacks. This guy stuffs the stat sheet and he makes
0: plays everywhere. I have a. weird feeling about him that he's going to get picked in round two and we don't have a pick in round two. I don't think he's going to get picked that high
1: because um, he looks like a guy who's extremely high productivity. Uh, If you want to look at like Scooby Wright who came out of Arizona, that's another guy whose athleticism measured pretty average, but his football IQ is what made him a much better player. Yeah. I just think the production's too high, right? Like the, the I don't know, Scooby Wright had amazing production. The, or you look like Blake Martinez who came out of Stanford and ended up being like a more middle-round pick for Green Bay and suddenly
0: yeah, he's a really good middle linebacker. Joel had 6 interceptions. That's pretty awesome. That's a lot. Yeah, it's pretty he's pretty he's a pretty great coverage guy. He's good in the pass rush. He would need to develop as a pass rusher. He's not a, he He's inconsistent, right? Yeah. But he's great and he against mo- the run. He's also played mostly from the middle. He's great against the run. He's great in coverage. Uh, he's just all around good linebacker. Uh, they're going to... Teams are gonna have to decide what matters to them, right? He seems like the kind of guy that's gonna end up on a team like New England, and he's gonna be super good. And people are gonna be like, "How did they get this guy?" It's, it's because they pay attention to cause, stats because they and watch they, football. Because they, because he ran, he's probably gonna run like a good three cone drill, and then do bad in everything else. And that's all that. That's all that. Because yeah, his range about.
1: is gonna be like fine. He's not gonna be a sideline to sideline guy. That's not his game. But you know, he's gonna be able to make a lot of run, a lot of plays around the line of scrimmage. He plays downhill. So are you ready to get to the poor man's? Oh, uh, yeah. These are the guys that I'm probably not going to know much about. Get, so these are me. like, uh, I'm going to go to my, my round five to seven guys. Okay. And there's a lot of them. That's what I really think about this draft. If you're looking at day three, taking flyers on guys, I think the day three depth at linebackers are really good. And you will know some of them. Okay. So, uh, All right. So I want to talk poor man's. Uh, Utena Nwosu. Okay. Uh, Shaquem Griffin out okay. of Central Florida. A guy that we know well. Uh, he's only 6'1", He played safety. He played linebacker. He played kind of an edge rusher. He played kind of all over for uh, Central Florida, but he was
0: productive all over. Are you ready for my, my, my Shaquem Griffin take? All right. Someone's going to fall in love with the story, and he's going to go way higher than he has any right to. No. You don't think so? No. I, I think a, there's low odds of that. I have a weird feeling about Shaquem Griffin. Doing. I mean,
1: I could be proven wrong, but... So, for those of you who don't know, Shaquem Griffin, a uh, twin brother of our own Shaquille Griffin, um, of Seattle Seahawks fame and of solid cornerback rookie season memory, uh, Shaquem Griffin, uh, due to a childhood illness, um, had one of his hands amputated, and he oh. plays a... Uh,
0: with two arms, but only one hand, and he and he plays like kind of all over. He played Here's the thing and that that's going to give teams trouble. Is he doesn't have a real position. And, the, and, and he, he played, played linebacker. He, he would line up
1: anywhere a linebacker could possibly line uh, up on the field. Yeah, he
0: would. Li- sometimes he'd line up close to the line of scrimmage and rush the passer. Sometimes he would line up pretty far away from the line of scrimmage, almost like a safety. Yep. Uh, like sometimes
1: he, he'd line up like over and over a slot receiver, but still be playing linebacker.
0: I, th- I think that that's gonna make it, that's what makes him so incredibly challenging to evaluate is that. He, it's hard to say, like, what is he going to be at the next level? Is he going to be like a box safety, like a Deion Buchanan? That's kind of how I would envision him being in the next level. But he could also be just like a, like a three, four outside linebacker. I could see him being like a
1: poor man's Darren Lee. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and because this guy's fast, Shaquem re- Griffin's fast. He has an incredible motor. If you are not blocking him, he is running to the ball. If you good. are blocking him, he's still
0: running to the ball. Pretty good moves for like a guy that only has one arm too. Like most, because guys use their arms on their edge moves, and uh, yeah. he he can actually do some moves. To and get he's got to like some bend and rip.
1: Like I actually think it's the opposite. I think people are going to overestimate how much his handicap hurts him.
0: Oh, I would be. St- yeah, that'd be good for us, because I, I would really love to bring him in. Because be this is a perfect- guy who gets a
1: lot of stops. Um, he played in the uh, uh, American Athletic Conference, which does a lot of like screen and bubble stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's really good at diagnosing. You can watch him go in and just screw up people's day. Go back and watch the game against Auburn which does some really weird things on offense that can be really hard for a defense to handle. Gus Malzahn's a good offensive coach. And watch Shaquem Griffin just screw up their day all day. He just wrecks their day. And it's because he's relentless. He has good instincts. He has played safety. And you can see him instinctually drop in coverage, a way that a lot of linebackers struggle with. I think he has a lot of skills. All
0: right. I do have a late-round guy, Kevin. You ready? Yep. Sean Deion Hamilton. Good one. Uh, okay, Sean Deon Hamilton went to Alabama. He has had two knee injuries. It's a total flyer because he, after the second knee injury, he was never quite the same. He was good but not great, and uh, he didn't really get to fully come back from it, too. Right, and he never fully came back. He's actually currently hurt. He's the kind of guy I would like to see us stash for a year, right? Like draft him this year and say, hey, you know, you're going to sit out. We're going to get you really healthy. You're going to play on our practice squad, and in 2019, like a redshirt year, right? Yep. Give him get him in the seventh round. Get him. Provide some depth because when this kid comes back if he's a hundred percent He's second third round value from a seventh rounder if he can get back maybe even first round value He was really really good size wise. He's uh, He's a a little little smaller than Bobby Wagner
1: But similar Bobby Wagner's not super tall But he has the athleticism if he comes back from those knee injuries to be able to make up for that a bit Usually when he gets beat it's because of his lack of size
0: Yeah, and, and last year I felt like he was like I said, like sometimes on the tape he looked a little slower than he did in his earlier years. The junior tape's better than the senior tape. I would agree, Unfortun- <laughs> which is unfortunate, you know. Because but I, sometimes
1: that's when you get a really nice flyer on a kid in the seventh right, round. You
0: can steal him. For, you can steal him because the the senior tape's not as good. All right, Kevin. Okay,
1: another day three guy, Dorian O'Daniel from Clemson. Yeah, okay. This is a guy who was only a one year starter because they had a really established linebacking core. But okay, here's how productive this guy is. Over his career, he had 48 special teams tackles. That is a crap load of special teams tackles. That's good. So he's another one of those guys, a linebacker and a safety body. Um, He's athletic enough to handle um, tight ends and running backs in coverage. He's kind of an average athlete in space, but he plays well. He plays a little high. Which you don't like, like he's a little bit too vertical. Um, he's better in zone than in
0: man, right. but he only has one year of experience as a starter. He's another guy who could be de- developmental. Another, another thing too, Kevin, I like about looking at just his stat block is that he um, he's, he does one thing really well, which is he's co- he's a cover really good in coverage. Yep, and that's what we need, right? Like we we don't need him to be really good at rushing the passer we bobby and kj can handle that for now yeah right yeah it's uh he can just he can just get after the the tight end you know or or get after whatever we need him to so then uh jack sitchie
1: out of wisconsin uh he would be josie jewel if he didn't get injured um he's another guy that really was highly productive did a lot of everything but has missed uh, 20 games in college due to injury. He has 24 games and 11 starts total. His athleticism is kind of average, but he has really high leadership skills and uh, football IQ. And he has really good read and react skills. I think that if you want to go down to like round six or seven to pick up a Josie Jewell-esque player, the thing I that doesn't bother me as much about Sitchi's injuries as some other players is that, yeah, he had one leg injury, Two years ago, he came back from that. He tore his pectoral, so that means that he doesn't have like this recurring knee or ankle injury. It was kind of two big injuries, which yeah, maybe he's a little fragile. But I think that's worth a sixth or seventh round flyer to get possible third or fourth round talent for sure. All right, a lot like Sean Dion Hamilton. So there you
0: go. There's there's a lot of linebackers. Is, any any last guy that you want to throw out there? This is it. This is your this is your chance to throw like one last guy out there. Okay, so... Before we leave, this is your parting parting gentleman.
1: Parting guy can be kind of fun to look at. Uh, Davin Bellamy out of Georgia. six five two forty, kind of another edge player. This is another guy that could be in that Bruce Irvin mold. Uh, it's hard to know exactly what to think of him, just because, you know, with Roquan Smith and all the other talent on Georgia, he could kind of get lost in the shuffle. Lorenzo Carter, some other people that are gonna be going much higher in the draft. But he's the guy who uh made the big play blowing up the Notre Dame line to make the sack to uh cinch the game for Georgia in the in the beginning of the season um against notre dame you know he's made some really big plays he's flashed a lot of ability but it's hard to say exactly what he's going to become he's another guy who could end up going late depending on how he tests and might have a lot of potential as that pass rushing outside linebacker
0: defensive end hybrid all right my last guy matthew thomas um freak athlete he misses a million tackles uh, but the Seahawks can teach people how to tackle. We have we are a good tackling team. That's my uh, that's my 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 take on him. Really good coverage. He's really good in coverage. So that's kind of where I'm at on him. That's I was, another one of those like safety guys. Except he's
1: actually a little bigger. He's like more he's, like six two or six three two twenty five. He's, six, he's six, four. six four. Yeah. He's yeah. like two
0: twenty five. So he's got some size. Yeah. He. I mean, he also got a suspension. There's a million things wrong with Matthew Thomas. Don't get me wrong. That's uh, the reason why he's going to be available. But he's going to be a seventh round end. pick. Yes. So you're kind of taking a flyer at that point. Anyway, why not on? Why not take a flyer on the guy with otherworldly talent that two seasons ago? I mean, he was. Absolutely fantastic. All right. I think
1: the, I think one thing that you, uh, we want to bring up here, though, is if you look at the types of players that we're talking about, these are guys that are going to offer both special teams and linebacker ability that have some upside. Like You want to take some flyers, I think, because we have KJ Wright, we have Bobby Wagner, we have two all-pro caliber linebackers, so why not take a stab at somebody who could be a little bit more? Because if he doesn't pan out, the worst-case scenario is... We still have K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner.
0: Yep. All right. So there, there's a position that maybe you weren't thinking about that, that with now you have plenty to think about. If you've got a linebacker that you like for the Seahawks, send us a message on Facebook. Send us a tweet. Tell us what, what, Seahawks, what linebackers you think would be a great fit for the Seahawks. And uh, with that... Let's go ahead to the money zone. If you'd like to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you could send you can sign up to support us on our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. For as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, you'll get all of our NFL picks all season. Last year, I think I hit like just we did just straight up. But straight up I think I hit like seventy five percent. Kevin was at like seventy two percent. We did really so, well last year. So we did we we're we were pretty good straight up. Um, and if you uh, actually, I think I'm even better than that. Even I was better than it, I was better than any of the NFL experts, and I think Ken was better than all of them, but one. Eric it, and, and Eric was even in the mix. Yeah, he was yeah. Just in the mix with all those guys. So Solid. Yeah, we did a really good job. Picks if you want to see that, plus other C- uh, exclusive Seahawks nest content. Head over mm-hmm. Seahawks nest or patreoncom I also put some of it on a time delay so you can see a few samples if you'd like. Just see like a random episode, what it's like. Uh, also. Uh, if you want to support us and you are dirt poor like like us <laughs> and you're like, Hey, how can I support without giving you any money? You can give us a review on iTunes, five stars. You can go over to uh, Facebook.com slash Seahawksnest or the Seahawks Nest. I always mess that up. Facebook.com slash the Seahawks Nest, give us a like. You can head over to Twitter and follow us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest, or give us five stars on any of your favorite podcasting platforms talk
1: to us interact great time of the year to ask questions
0: post because we want to know what you are wondering post this podcast on reddit every week (laughs) that's (laughs) just be annoying about it there that's that's another way you can help
1: but seriously respond with any questions you have uh you can pm us or direct message us on facebook or on twitter and tell us if you have any questions something you want to hear us deep dive on we're down to the last couple of positions we already did kickers and punters. we already talked about return men we're down to safeties we're down to corners and then it's going to be a lot of like post combine stuff as we get ready to go to free agency in the draft so it's a great time if you have any questions to send those
0: into us all right and is uh Let's uh, let's rock and roll. Movie zone, movie 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 club, movie club, movie whatever whatever we call this the last ten minutes of the podcast that cinema that everyone turns off <laughs> that that a few people tune uh, in only to tune yes some people are skipping ahead trying to find it they're like I just want to listen that to that movie club I just want to listen to that movie part uh, I just I don't I don't care about any of this other stuff um, Kevin we love you Mr Dave <laughs> I don't think I don't think Mr Dave listens to I don't this. think so at all uh, Okay uh, so. Let's see what what movie would you like to talk about, Kevin? Or do you want? I had I had a plan to play a game, but I don't know if uh if you'd be totally prepared for it. I don't think that that would be a good idea with only me because okay.
1: there's a good chance it would flop completely. Well, no, the,
0: the game does not involve memory at all, so <laughs> so that's that's gonna be good. All right, let's do that next week. Okay, so then well next week it won't work. Ah, eh, maybe next week it will still work. I don't know. All right, here. So Kevin, I want you to pick the movie then. Uh, it's kids, player's choice, Kevin's choice, and to give you a minute to think about it. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna preview the game for next week. Uh, next week, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take all of the last 18 Oscar winners. That's right, all the Oscar winners since 2000. We're gonna eliminate them one by one and come up with our favorite Oscar-winning movie of all time, and and why it's there will be blood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making a solid prediction that it will be there will be blood. But uh, yeah, we're gonna take all the Best Picture winners and we'll try to narrow it down to one. I think there will be blood. One Best Picture, right? Yeah uh, Okay So yeah I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm confident that one. Uh, I know work. it was nominated I'm pretty sure it won Okay So anyway Kevin Is there one movie Now that I've brought up There will be blood What is there a movie You would like To talk about yeah, that, This week As we head into As we head into The Oscars As we head into The Oscars Have you seen Any of this year's Oscars crop uh, I've seen uh, Three billboards Okay We can talk about that If you want
1: uh, Let's talk about Three billboards That's fine
0: Okay Three billboards. So well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, three billboards
1: outside Ebbing's, Missouri. You, If you have not seen it, which there's a really good chance you have not. Um, I think it's on streaming right now. You can watch it on it's iTunes. On streaming, you can rent it. Yeah, I think that's the rent. thing
0: you can do. I think you can rent it, yeah.
1: Uh, and come back and check this out later. Should we do this as a
0: you should go see it? Do you want to do it that way? Uh, yeah, let's, let's just give like the 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 what it's about and then the, our, our pitch. Okay, why don't you give your synopsis and
1: then I'll talk a little bit okay. about the acting.
0: So Frances McDormand plays a, a grieving mother. Her daughter was, was raped and killed and she decides to... There's no one's finding the murderer. No one's doing anything about it. So she decides to rent three abandoned billboards near her home and they, they, they read um, raped while dying, still no arrests. How come, Chief Willoughby? And Chief Willoughby is played by uh, Woody Harrelson and then there's another cop that's pretty uh, that's in the movie a lot. Sam Rockwell, Jason. I think his name is Jason, right? Uh, Dixon. Dick Dixon. Yeah. Dixon. Okay. So, um, and he's he's a racist. He's a, he's a terrible person to be honest. <laughs> be honest. He's really bad. He, he's a, he's a drunkard uh, and a terrible person. Yeah. So so anyway, the the movie's kind of just all about how these people interact with each other, all the things that happen, and kind of it's all, mostly just kind of about their lives, right? Like yeah. There's there's just it's just kind of a it's a
1: slice of a small town in an extreme situation. It's
0: not it's not like they're it's this, uh, if if you listen to the, that plot, you might think oh this is going to be like a hard boiled like they're solving the mystery. It, that's not really what this movie is. Um. It's part of it, but no, it's a This small is much part. more. It's yeah, a small part. This is
1: much more human interest tale. It's a definitely dark comedy. Yeah, would be the genre I would say. And there's all kinds of other stuff going on in these people's lives, and that's kind of where the story is. And there's some absolutely ridiculous things in here, so don't like come in expecting realism.
0: Think more like I don't know, Cohen Brothers level realism. Yes, that's that's that is exactly the comparison I would make, Kevin. Is this is like a this is like a Cohen Brothers ish movie? I would say um, so. Uh, martin mcdonough wrote and directed it uh if you don't know who uh martin mcdonough is i don't blame you because martin mcdonough he prefers uh writing films to plays but he mostly is famous for writing a bunch of plays he's done a ton of plays and so he's tried to come over to film a couple times he made uh what did he what has he made other than this uh Give me give me thirty seconds to okay. To, so really quickly. Oh, he made In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. Sorry, okay. I knew that. And in, in Bruges is good. In Bruges is fantastic. Seven Psychopaths also a pretty good movie. I uh, didn't see that one. Yeah, you. It's got Christopher Walken in it, right? You'll dig it. Uh, yeah, Colin Farrell, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson. That's Christopher a good Walken. cast. Yeah, it's got it's it's pretty good. Yeah, but all three of his movies then have really good casts. So Frances McDormand, uh,
1: I thought, did an excellent job in this movie. There's a lot of scenes where it's kind of requiring her to carry them in a specific way. And she has to act through a lot of situations. Um, My review of this movie was, uh, when people had asked me what I thought, I thought it did an excellent job of blending pain and humor in a way that was more palatable than it should have been. Yeah. Uh, Frances McDormand really carries the scene she's in. Um, Sam Rockwell is excellent as Dixon. He plays a really hateable character in a way that allows you to really hate
0: him. Yeah, he and Woody Harrelson steals everything. Yeah, I was gonna say Woody Harrelson is kind of like the unsung hero of this movie. I
1: think that he should have gotten the supporting actor nod, you know, uh hot takes alert. Yeah, Rockwell's doing a thing here though that's more difficult to do, I think. It is, but Woody Harrelson, if you think about the the path that Woody Harrelson's
0: character takes, he does a really good job of humanizing it. Now, as we've as we've focused in an award season, this movie has become like one of a two-headed front runner. Uh, this movie or Shape of Water seems to be the the movie that's going to win Best Picture. And uh, Kevin, as far as Best Picture winners go, do you do you, does to me this doesn't seem like the kind of movie that would normally win Best Picture. Does does it seem like that to you? It's kind of hard because. I so uh, what were the last three Best Picture winners? Do you remember the last three Academy Award winning films? Ooh, you're really uh, putting me on the spot here, but I can do this. Okay. Last year was Moonlight, right? Okay, then the year. Oh, okay, wait, wait. Give me a sec. I got this. This is, this is like really hard. Like, I I'm surprised how much difficulty I'm having with this. So we had Moonlight. Cause you remember all the nominees and then not who won. Yes, exactly. That exactly. Because where... you have to separate uh, out the so movies. So we had Moonlight last year. Then I'm looking it up. Two years ago was Spotlight. I knew that. Go. I knew that. And the year before that was probably Birdman.
1: Uh, by the way, I would like to put a plug for Spotlight, a movie that should be really undigestible. And like I've watched like Good Night and Good Luck and all the President's Men and stuff. I thought Spotlight was a very easy to watch movie about a very hard subject. Yeah,
0: not my favorite. Not my favorite movie from that year at all. But, but it was really but, good. But really re- well done. A really well done movie. Uh, if I had to, if I was in charge of the. I mean, Mad Max Fury Road was the, my favorite movie that year. I thought Keaton was excellent in uh, Spotlight too, but
1: that's another story for another time. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you think about Moonlight and you think about Three Billboards, I can see Three Billboards winning because Moonlight's another one of those movies where it tackles some rough subject matter, but it doesn't have the humor piece. Does the humor piece drag it down that much in your
0: opinion? And it's not that it drags it down. It just doesn't seem like it's not Oscar bait. Yeah, this movie, there's nothing in here that Oscar voters are going to be like, oh boy, except for if they get really attached to that performance by McDormand. Uh, That is a really, it's a really powerful performance. I feel like all the character acting is
1: really good. Uh, Rockwell's character acting is excellent. I do think that it's, I think his uh, supporting actor nomination is deserved. I just think that Harrelson takes a really challenging character and plays him so well. Um, I feel like his wife plays her role, Uh, Annie, I can't think of the actress's name, is really good. Just the acting in this movie carries
0: the movie. Okay, here's my thing, Kevin, is that for a movie to win Best Picture, it has to carry a bunch of different blocks, right? There's all these different blocks of voters. There's the people that are technical awards. There's people that, and they all get to vote for Best Picture, right? Yeah, you're right. And the technical awards, it's getting none of. So... I would. I could imagine a case where in the technical awards, a lot of people are listing this movie towards the bottom of the list, right? Yeah, because Shape write, of Water has a beautiful night, visuals. Where Shape of Water is going to get some awards from people who, some votes from people who like acting, some votes from people who like technical stuff. It's why I think Dunkirk has an outside shot to win Best Picture. Not Dunkirk's thirty-three to one. Like it's a long shot right now, but it's very palatable. I could imagine it being third on everyone's ballot. Um, That's the thing though is I could see Dunkirk and Shape splitting some of that vote which is the way that three billboards has a path sure. to victory. Yeah. same with Get Out. That's how Get Out wins too. Get yep. Out wins by like a, being everyone's second or third choice and then winning all the acting. I feel like this actors. is a
1: really strong set of movies. Yeah. I feel like all four of those movies are very worthwhile. Yeah.
0: On Ev- all, all nine of these movies are pretty good and I would say six of them are very good. Three of them are just there's three of them that I'm not super into. I'm not, I haven't seen the post, so I can't say if it's good, truly good or not. But I'm not going to see the post, so sorry. Really uh, like the the post. post, the post is definitely a legacy movie. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, uh, Spielberg. Spielberg is a uh, Spielberg. Good to Spielberg. You know, that's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> There's a reason he didn't get a best director nomination for this movie. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. If this movie was really good, Spielberg would have got a best director nomination. We'd have more. Actor nominations than just the Meryl the token Meryl Streep nomination she gets every single year. Yep. Um, So, yeah, that's (laughs) all right.
1: So uh, I think we've expoused enough
0: on so three billboards. uh, So I'll ask you, movie people should see. Yes, I I think if you like if you like film, you should see this movie. It's a really good movie about a very serious topic. Yeah, I think it's really really well done. It's uh... if I was ranking the best picture nominees, I think I would put it second. Second or third, it's it's really close to Shape of Water for me. Those two movies are kind of interchangeable, and it's below Get Out. Get Out was my favorite Best Picture nominee, and um, Three Billboards is on my top three of the year as well. Yeah, so it's, it's really good. Uh, all right, so for for Eric Ronenbeck for Invisible Yamcha, and for for Kevin Garber, I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. But well, I ain't got nothing but a little song, a little tune to play, to make the good times roll.